Top MMA voices Ariel Hawani, Chuck Mindenhall, and Pizza Carroll are live on the Spotify Greenroom app for every major MMA card with the Ringer MMA show. Hear the guys react to weigh-ins in real time and find out what they think of the fights the moment the final card ends. Plus, when breaking MMA news happens, they'll be live to talk to you about it. And if you miss the Green Room show, you can hear it as a podcast anytime on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Hey, just a quick little disclaimer today that on today's episode of The Mismatch, I had some technical issues on my end recording the pod, so we're using my Zoom audio instead. Shame, shame, shame. I know, I know. I made a big boo-boo, but we'll make sure next week we have full HQ high-quality sound as we normally do. Uh, But for today, I got Zoom audio. Chris has high-quality audio. Thank you for listening to The Mismatch. It's a great episode, though, despite the audio. Fun episode. Good conversation. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Controversy, Kevin! Bruno, how are you doing today? How's your Friday? <laughs> so, the entire city of Memphis is iced over. I am down at my studio, but we have been without power at my house for now, 22 hours. Um, not great. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> this ice storm will pass. Things will thaw out and the uh, local power department can get everybody back up and running. But, you know, it reminds me of that. The the old adage, um, a healthy man wants everything. A sick man only wants one thing. And it is one of those moments where it does put life into perspective because all I want, Kevin, is my power to come back on at my house. That's all That's all I want. Like, you know, you can spend your time uh, complaining about all manner of things, but when something as essential as that gets taken away, when you have a family, it's like, please just, just have the power come back on. So I have had better days, but going to power through. Um, Thank God it is a blessing, as I've mentioned before. My parents, after they retired, moved very close to me. They did have power, so I was able to go over there last night. And me and my son uh, huddled in a room on air mattresses and watched that Phoenix game and then were able to watch the Lakers game. And prior to that, watch the NFL skills competition. And so we were able to, you know, at least have a place we could go and be warm and watch some of the sports that were going on 
last evening. Um, yesterday, when we were recording with the real ones, Raja Bell and Logan Murdoch. Uh, that, that was to, fun. That was a good It time. was fun. That was cool. Um, that was a big change of pace. That's on the, the Ringer NBA show feed with yeah, real ones. I, I haven't listened back to it, so I, I don't think it's probably even part of the pod, but in the middle of that podcast, that's when the power shut out completely in my house. Everything went dark. And so I had no I internet. I a photo of it on Twitter of your dark room. <laughs> yeah, no internet, no computer, no, no power whatsoever. And thank God for technology in 2022, I was able to pull up Zoom on my phone. And that is how we were able to finish that podcast yesterday. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks to those guys for having us on. Also last night, the All-Star Reserves were announced, and we really looked Ooh. forward to this. Um, I gave out the seven that I thought for each conference on Tuesday's edition of the podcast, and we talked about those. And I thought the seven, with Wiggins starting, I thought the seven in the Western Conference became rather easy. And... It was exactly as you had thought, right? When you looked up and down, whether it was fan voting, player voting, media voting, I thought you could get the collection of guys and that those guys were all very deserving and probably no-brainers. There will inevitably be reserves because some of the guys are going to be out. But of those names, it was who we thought, Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Luka Doncic and Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green, and Donovan Mitchell, and Carl Anthony Towns. All right, now some of those will be replaced. But had those right. In the Eastern Conference, uh, had Jimmy Butler on the list, had Darius Garland on the list, had James Harden, had Zach Levine, had Jason Tatum, had Fred Van Vliet. I only missed one, and it was Chris Middleton. I'm a little surprised the coaches chose Chris Middleton over Jared Allen or even Drew Holiday, his own teammate in that backcourt in Milwaukee. I, I thought Holiday would have gotten the edge over Middleton, especially Jared Allen. You had Jared Allen uh, on your team, right? Yes. I thought the Cavs were deserving of having two players there, given their level of success and the season that he has had. And also, look, man, Jared Allen was fifth. In the player voting, he was sixth in the fan voting, which is rather impressive, you know, because Cleveland is not a New York, an L.A., a Golden State, like some of these teams that always get a bunch of votes for their players. Um, Jared Allen was sixth amongst fan voting. He was fifth in the players. Now, the big guys, the front court for the media, you know, you you mentioned on Tuesday's pod that you have a vote for that and you only vote in the starters. Well, Giannis and Durant and Embiid, every single media member had those three. Those were no-brainer locks for the front court. So there are no media votes for anybody in the front court in the Eastern Conference. And that was a little bit different than the way the Western Conference shook out. There was more debate and there was more people with votes in that. But because there are no media votes, so we can't take that into consideration. So all we have for the voting of who people thought was deserving 
was that Jared Allen was fifth in the player voting, sixth in the fan voting. You take that in consideration. The the game is in Cleveland. Um, he's had a great season, and he got all those votes. I I thought, okay, he's going to get in there. Chris Middleton was 32nd in player voting of front court players. 32nd. Okay? He was 14th in fan voting. As I said, there's no media votes. So the only thing we have to go by is who did other people think were deserving? And Jared Allen, it's a it's a bloodbath between him and Middleton. And so that was legitimately shocking to me. It was the only thing last night. I was like, Chris Middleton, and no offense to Chris Middleton, he is, like, they should just give him, like, a ribbon or something when he makes the All-Star game because nobody wants to watch him play in an All-Star game anyway. He has the least All-Star game game that there is. Like, really, he's church league. No, he's, he's a great, he's a great, he's a great player. He's a, he's a below the rim, you know, like nothing the least bit spectacular. There's never been a Chris Middleton highlight that went viral. You know, like he's not, he's not exciting. There's nothing exciting about Chris Middleton. I'm sorry. Nothing. I'm surprised the coaches, given the chance to vote for, you know, Middleton or Holiday, they chose Middleton because um, those wild card. I mean, assuming that they count him as a wild card spot, um, but I don't know, man. Like the, the All Star game, uh, there might be other guys dropping out. Jared Allen might end up making it, and Drew Holiday could end up making it. We'll see what ends up happening with potential replacements by Adam Silver. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I'm not surprised by anybody. I don't think there were any snubs in the West. I know Draymond Green had brought up uh, uh, Dejounte Murray with the Spurs. I'm sure you have some Grizzlies fans who are like, Jaron Jackson Jr. should make it. But I mean, there's not there's no snubs really besides Jared Allen or Drew Holiday instead of Chris Middleton. Other than that, um, not much to argue really. There were a ton of guys that were tied at 32nd in player rank, okay, in terms of front court players. Like, the players voted, and they cast their ballots. And, in fact, if, if you just went by the players, if you let them decide this, it would have been Miles Bridges. He was fourth in player voting this year amongst front court players, which was rather impressive for him to... Uh, be fourth on that list. And he was higher. He got he got more votes amongst the players than than Jared Allen and Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and, and other guys. Amongst the guys that were tied with Middleton for 32nd, Kelly Oubre was tied for 32nd. Montrez Harrell was tied for 32nd. Mo Bamba Bamba with as many votes as Middleton? Are you kidding me? What the hell is going on here? Kessler Edwards, Chris Boucher, Sadiq Bay, Davis Bertans. Isn't that crazy? I mean, like, there's all there's all kinds of names. But isn't that isn't that wild though that 
players have Middleton down there and coaches are like, oh, you're on the all-star game. Listen to these other names that are tied with him. Troy Brown Jr., Mason Plumley, Robin Lopez, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Dwayne Deadman. I mean, it's <laughs> he got the same in terms of player votes. He's with those guys. That's where he is. It is shocking. I thought I thought Middleton was always like a player's player, right? Like he's a guy that like players respect more than maybe fans and media. But at least in this All Star voting, that was not so. And and by the way, the Bucks have not been some kind of great story this year. That they won the championship and they came back and now they're just beating the hell out of everybody. And we're talking like, ooh, could this be a, you know, a dynasty? How many can Giannis win? Like that, that hasn't even been a conversation this year because they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good and not as good as we thought they'd be, at least up to this port part of the season. And I'm a Bucks guy. I like the Bucks. I love Giannis. Giannis has been great. John but- Horace runs the team. My best friend. Can't wait to see him at the All-Star game. We're probably going to go get coffee together at uh, Machine Gun Kelly's Coffee Place. <laughs> he has a coffee place? Should, yeah, I saw that online the other day. I was like, okay, I have to go there. Really? Yes. <laughs> Machine, Machine Gun, Gun Kelly has Kelly. a coffee it's place. 27 co- Club Coffee. Yeah, maybe I'll run into him and Megan. Club Coffee. Let's check out the reviews of this. 4.5 stars on Google. There you go. Over 500 ratings, four stars on Yelp. Not, not, not bad, pretty good. That seems like uh, Machine Gun Kelly has, has good coffee. Yeah, I think that's good. what we're going to do. He has sensational taste. It's great taste, Machine Gun Kelly. I think it's going to be me, Horst, uh, Colson, which is his real name, and Megan. I think we're all going to get together for uh, coffee oh, yeah. at 27 Club over All-Star Weekend. Yeah, Col- Colson's got great taste. That's for sure. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Boo on Chris Middleton making the All-Star team. I'm sorry. I like Chris Middleton's <laughs> vibe. It, yeah, su- it sucks. It's, uh, you're, you're in Machine Gun Kelly City, apparently. I mean, you got to give them two All-Stars. It's not right. Well, and hopefully... He'll be named a replacement. Did you know that Colson? Colson was his real name before the pod, or did you look it up? Because I didn't know off the top of my head. Of course, I knew his name was Colson. You you knew that? I didn't know that. Uh, My brain doesn't retain that information. If I see it in a news article once, Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox get engaged. And their real real name, Colson. My my brain doesn't keep that inside. Does yours? I've known his real name for a long, long time. Are you a fan? Yeah, back well, but like I, I, but he when he first came up, he was like a YouTube guy. You know what I mean? Like he had, like he was underground, and so it was like, hey, there's this dude in Cleveland. He had that whole EST thing, and whatever. And so I remember it from way back. You know what I mean? I've been aware of him for a long time. He actually just dropped a new song today with uh, Will Smith's daughter. It's not any good, but (laughs) I listened to it. Yeah. I heard it this morning. Willow? Willow? Yeah, I always, I always just go through whatever came out that was new in the morning and just kind of click through them all. And so I, it's called Emo Girl. It's it's not good. Willow, Willow has this great song called Meet Me at Our Spot. Yeah. It's just a great, great, great track. I think it's a collaboration 
with a couple others. That was a big TikTok sensation. Oh, that was a TikTok song? I know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, that song's a banger. It's a great song. Great song. Caught a vibe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Caught a vibe. She sounds like she sings like she's British or something. Yeah. I'm like, when did, uh, I was like, so did Will funny. Smith move to uh, yeah. London for a while? I know, right? Is this the I whip my ha- hair back and forth girl? Wow, she's all grown yeah, up. I, th- I think, I think, yeah, no, exactly. I think that you, she did do that song years ago, right? Yeah, with my hair. Yeah, that was yeah. her, right? That was her. All was grown seven up. Years ago. 11 years ago, that song came out. Wow. It's a long time ago. Time goes by quick. All right. So we did get the All-Star Reserves. There will be uh, some guys that get to fill in, hopefully Jared Allen, at that point. Um, If any of the other guys drop out, uh, you know, there's LaMelo Ball, as you mentioned, Drew Holiday. I guess for a big, it'd probably be Sabonis after Allen, if two guys uh, needed to be replacements. Jalen, Kyle Lowry, maybe. I mean, but the I I thought honestly, like I thought that Jared Allen was the only one that I think absolutely should have been there. That's not going to be there. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't think those were massive snubs by any means. And in the Western Conference, I didn't think anybody was. I, no. I, I don't think snub is a fair word. Um, Draymond Green no. was. He said he's not going to play in it. He's hopeful he could come back in a month. That's what it sounded like on the broadcast last night. Um, and so that's certainly worth monitoring. It seemed as if, and tell me if I'm wrong at this, nobody was really fighting that Anthony Davis should have been on. Um, obviously, there were Grizzly fans that thought Jaron Jackson Jr., just because of the team's success, uh, should have gotten a look. Aiton and Bridges, if you're a Suns fan. Anthony Edwards. If you're a Minnesota fan, um, those guys on all of those teams. But I felt like overall that this year, the one I saw the most of was DeJounte Murray. Yeah, that, that, that's the one Draymond mentions. Yeah, I it, it feels very um, Shea Gilgis Alexander y. <laughs> you know what I mean? Remember, like he was having that outstanding season. They they played much better than anybody expected them to be playing last year. And Gildas Alexander had really good numbers. And so this one feels like that one where you are having a great individual statistical season and you are penalized for your lack of team success. But it felt like Murray was the one that people thought DeJounte Murray should be on there but, I mean, I always think about su- su- uh, snubs uh, this way. Who are you taking off? Okay, fine. You think DeJounte Murray should be on? Fine. I agree. I wish he could be an all-star. Who are you booting? You booting Booker? You booting Paul? You booting uh, Luca? Chase Serrano out of nowhere. Get out of here, Chris Paul. I mean, who is undeserving? Like a true snub? You have to, you have to tell I, me I, that another guy is undeserving. There, it's, I have nothing to add. There's, there's no stubs this year. All-Star was pretty straight. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that complicated this year. The coaches got one spot wrong in Chris Middleton. But other than that, it was easy this year. Chris Middleton will sell zero All-Star jerseys. <laughs> zero! 
I mean, hell, they're not going to sell that many of those anyway. They're terrible. Why do they do that? Can you let me design the all-star jerseys NBA? Why do they look mesh? Yeah, those jerseys are gross. Who said the mesh look is a good look? I like the logo on it. I like the stars. I like the big logo. They had those in the 80s, you know, back in the day. But then you screwed the whole damn thing up with goofy colors and mesh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, a little, I'm, I'm a little confused here about some of the choices there. I don't know. You'd think for the 75th anniversary, there would be some cooler ways to, to throw back to old eras. But Oh, yeah. You could even have vintage-looking ones, right? Like yeah, you could exactly. even have like Yeah, exactly. Old-school vintage ones. You could have players be able to choose like which decade they want to have, what de- which decade of style they want to have their jerseys. Oh, that's from. cool. And like, and like the red ones, you know, for the home or away, and the white ones for you know home or away, like the different styles within that same color base. But I don't know. Instead, you get <laughs> some mesh jerseys, which are not cool looking at all. No, they uh, look like a, they, they look like something that your uh, coach throws out to you at gym class. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You're on red and you're on yellow. They probably, they probably hired some like super famous designer to do the jerseys. And everybody just poops on him on Twitter and that's now on the pod right now. By the way, in fairness, I always loved when the when the coach when the coach brought out like the bag of the mesh jerseys and would throw it to you. I was like, oh, thank God. Because you know what that signified when they threw out the uh the mesh jerseys? It signified that you weren't going to go shirts and skins because I swear to God, every time they put me on skins, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I was I was a chubby kid. I did not want to be skins. I was like, come on, <laughs> let me wear my shirt. Can I be on shirts, please? Yeah, you'd, you'd rather have the 2022 All-Star game. <laughs> every time. Wear. Every <laughs> time. Just this is NBA.com. Yeah. NBA.com wrote this. The uniform's typography is inspired by the architecture of the city's bridges and gives homage to classic all-star uniforms of the late 80s and early 90s. The colors are drawn from the silver, prismatic shine of the oh diamonds, God. the blue <laughs> of the NBA logo in the celebration of the league's 75th anniversary season. Uh, I don't know, just choose, just choose a cool-looking jersey. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be that deep. You know, not everything needs to be deep and have a, a meaning about society or symbolism. It could just be cool. <laughs> it could just be fun. <laughs> not everything has to be super serious. <laughs> just chill out. Relax. It stinks because I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to take a picture when I'm there. I'm going to go to like the team store and I'm going to take a picture of the Morant jersey. And my son's going to be like, just give me a bobblehead. <laughs> 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 or, or do they have a basketball oh, or do they have like some kind of maybe a beach towel or something? I don't <laughs> need the jersey. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, think, I think the jerseys would be much better without the mesh. It's the mesh that's the main problem. Horrendous. I don't know. Horrendous. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. 
Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Couple games that went on last night. We have talked a couple times over the course of the past few episodes about the Hawks kind of getting going. When Rosillo joined us, you guys uh, talked about them as a dangerous team that is lowly ranked right now, but that, you know, uh, there's a, there's a limit to how high they're probably going to get in the standings, given the amount of games left um, and the pace in which they would have to play to really climb the standings. So they're going to be playing either. Uh, most likely, they're going to be playing. They're not going to get the top six. So they're going to be playing for a spot. And then they're going to be going on the road to play against somebody. And they really could be very dangerous for somebody. They are, I agreed with you guys, that they are that team that is now lowly ranked that could pull an upset. And there's probably no better example of watching them play against Phoenix last night, Trey going off, um, getting good contributions, you know, a couple of guys in double digits off their bench. Um, you know, you said yesterday when we were on The Real Ones that there's a lot of John Collins chatter that is out there. So, so it's not only a team that is uh, getting back to looking a lot more like they looked last year when they were a surprise team, but also a team that has the goods to be able to really improve if they need to. And so let's start with, um, let's start with that performance last night against Phoenix and kind of, Sometimes there are regular season games that feel bigger, and to me, that did. It did feel bigger. I mean, Phoenix was on an 11-game win streak. Yeah. They're, roll, they're rolling again, and then you snap that. Uh, Atlanta continues to look realer and realer, and I don't know, but like ultimately, games like last night's more than anything else, it's just like, damn, Trey Young. Like, Trey Young is 23 years old, and if he's able to just control the game at such a high level. And uh, I mean, last night he, he had certain moments, like in the first quarter, where he attacked the lane and kind of like you know, like zigzag between into the paint and and relocated for three, like Steph, like uh, to the corner after making a pass after penetrating inside. It's just like this is those are the unstoppable moments when Trey can do do that stuff off the ball. Never mind all his on ball brilliance. Um, he did, he did everything last night and. Um, that that win to me was about just Trey's greatness more than anything else. Like some of the other games, I think there's like you can talk about Kevin Herter or Kongwu or Bogdanovich or Hunter. Like we talked about DeAndre Hunter on Tuesday, I believe, or maybe last Thursday, last Friday's episode. Um, but Trey last night was just absolutely sensational. Well, and you know that when it gets to the playoffs, you sit there and you go, "All right, what are the chances that this guy is the best player in the series?" And he has the opportunity to be the best player in any series. He really does. Like he's he's on that level where he could be the best player in a series, no matter who you're playing against. You know, he could he could be that guy. Um, let me ask you about the Collins stuff. Where 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 is this coming from? So there's a lot of stuff out there about teams like the Kings, the Blazers, among others. Um going after John Collins. And thus far, Atlanta hasn't gotten anything that's pleased them enough to accept any trade, but it's also unclear exactly what 
they're looking for because some of the stuff that's out there is some pretty good names um, that could potentially go back for John Collins. But we'll see what Atlanta ends up with. We'll see if they decide to keep John Collins. They might decide to keep him. I mean, he's 24 years old and he can scream for Trey Young and throw down lob dunks. He can spot up from three. He's He can rebound. He can do a heck of a lot for your team. But for the Hawks, it seems like they are targeting some type of wing defenders. Um, so whether it's a, a Dallas, a Portland, a Sacramento, um, whoever it might be, it, it seems that is what Atlanta's looking for is 3 and D type of guys. Boy, I wonder if Dallas, you know, they've got that Dorian Finney-Smith. And Maxie Kleber. Right. They've got that, you know, they got to make a decision on that. In terms of if you're gonna if you're gonna pay up, are you paying up for Brunson? Are you paying up for Smith? And it's a choice they're gonna have to make. But I mean, Collins got a big contract too. You know, he just signed. Um, so I mean, you're taking on a big contract, and they're probably not in the most desirable spot. It feels a lot like last year when Eric Gordon's name was getting tossed around a bunch and he got hurt. I feel like they probably would have done something with Hardaway Jr. But now that's probably off the table because of his injury, you know, and that's one of those that you never know what's going to happen. But that was something that could be could be used in a deal um, if if you're trying to improve your team and have a better chance. I'm I'm a Collins fan, man. Every time I see him in person, I end up leaving the game like, damn, man, that guy is really good. Like he doesn't get a lot of chatter and. Great nickname that is not used very much. The John the Baptist, when he uh, when he cracks on people, you know, I always think about it in terms of those old 80s style, um, you know, posters. It would have made an amazing poster. Oh, yeah. He, for he sure. has some great ones. Right? Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm a fan of his. I don't – jeez. If I was Atlanta, I, I don't think I'd be looking to move John Collins. I'm not sure – I'm not sure that you have a great opportunity to get a lot better by moving him. Well, I mean, so let's just, this what what I reported before, now we are in theoretical mode. Let's say, theoretically, the Kings offer you something around Harrison Barnes, or the Mavs offer you something around Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba. If those things are offered to you, are you interested if you're the Hawks there, Chris? I'm still giving up the best player. Yeah, no, I, I see. That's what I mean. I, I don't, I don't love some of the John Collins stuff that could be assembled with some of the teams that you know are reportedly interested. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. They could end up keeping him. They could. Collins strikes me as the kind of guy that could haunt them. Giving him up? Yeah, just, just. I think he could go elsewhere and put up some really big numbers and make the All Star team, and people look back and like, and then. I, I, I don't know. I just foresee a circumstance where it's like, wow, yeah, but he would have never done that here. And it wasn't as good a fit with Trey. And, you know, and they, they, you know, you try to, uh, you try to validate it in your mind instead of accepting that, hey, you probably should have just tried to make it work as much as you can with the more talented player. I'm, I don't know. I, I, it's tough. It, it's tough because like you got I need better Lou names than up. what you mentioned. That's what I'd say. I need better names than what you mentioned. Yeah. And I think Atlanta probably feels the same way. <laughs> you know, can't be giving him up for Harrison Barnes. I mean, come on. John Collins got, I mean, even if you just go by the counting numbers, 
unless unless you do, I mean, like let's just let's just say they did. You got Capella at the five, Hunter and Barnes at the three and the four. The versatility they they provide, and then you get like whether it's Herder or Gallo or Wright or Gallo or or Bogdanovich next to Trey. I mean, you can put different types of lineups together um, that have versatility. You can switch more screens, but you lose like the rim running and that John Collins provides. Like he. He is a lob threat. He's he's such a nice lob threat, man. Stretches the floor. Can stretch, stretch the he, floor. He, like has to be honored. Three. Yeah, yeah he has kidding. to be honored. Exactly. And so yeah. that that kind of space that you could just provide for Trey makes a massive difference. You know, I think, the, I think the the benefits. I think from Atlanta's standpoint, the benefits would be felt on defense in that type of potential situation where offensively they don't feel like they lose that much. Um, defensively is where they feel like they might experience those games. Uh, I don't know. I mean, when you're flanked by DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella, you should be all right. You shouldn't have to have, you know, an all-defensive guy. It's okay. You can make up for it, right? Um, You can make up for having Trey and Collins, both out there, when you're flanking them with other guys. Because you, geez, what he brings offensively can be big time. And he's a matchup problem. You know, he's, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a Collins fan. I am. He can post a little bit, too. We talk about him, you know, being a, a guy who can space the floor for Trey or or catch passes and throw down lo- uh, lobs for Trey, but he can also post up sometimes. Um, he's, a, he's a wear cutter on the room. I don't know. Yeah, good, good player. A big congratulations, and what an amazing story that deserves to be chronicled uh, in Fred Van Vliet, making the all-star team, uh, amazing player at Wichita. I knew one of his coaches, um, who is now actually the current head coach at Wake Forest, Steve Forbes. He was there with Greg Marshall uh, with those Wichita teams. And I remember him telling me years and years ago, just, I mean, just effusive in praise on this point guard that they have, Fred Van Vliet. And, of course, had an amazing college career, had big moments. Um, NCAA tournament teams that ran up against uh, some some teams that they probably shouldn't have most exclusively. Like that team, I really think that Wichita team would have had a chance of winning the national title. They ran up against a, a, a Kentucky team that was seated entirely too low and not the typical type of team that you should see in the second round of an NCAA tournament. But anyways, uh, Van Vliet, great at Wichita, uh, goes undrafted. Interestingly enough, that same guy, Forbes, grew up with and is uh, best buddies with Nick Nurse, who is the coach at uh, Toronto, who now, of course, has Fred Van Vliet. But just the whole story of, you know, really great in college, but bunch of knocks against him. Fights his way up. You know, he gets drafted, uh, undrafted, goes there, and he flat out beat DeLon Wright. Like, they had DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright was drafted, what, in the top 20? You know what I mean? They had a backup point guard at the time for Kyle Lowry. And heads up, he just, he won his spot. He earned every damn thing. He wasn't 
like an undrafted guy who played pretty well, and then, hey, we need a backup point guard. They had a backup point guard. He just beat him outright. And then, you know, as time went on, he's a guy that comes off their bench. And then he's part of that title team. And now Kyle Lowry moved on, and he is given his opportunity. And in his, you know, first year, and I know they ran him out there together last year, but kind of his deal now, his show to run, um, not only a leader, but having an outstanding season. And I was so happy that he made the all-star team and part of the reserves. And we parlay that into last night's game. Man, that Raptors team, I mean, it's a good overtime win. And you go look at that box score and you want to talk about balance, Kevin. Good grief. Up and down the line. Every player, like, 10 to 20 points, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of guys who can beat you, man. Um, I mean, he, you know, we talked about snubs earlier. I'm sure Raptors fans are like, what about Pascal Siakam? Why are people not talking about him as a snub? 21 points, nine rebounds, five assists. He, like, ever since he came back in late December, he's been at like 24 points, seven assists, nine rebounds. I mean, he's putting up big time numbers. Uh, but the way in which Nick Nurse is utilizing his guys, some nights, it, it depends on the advantageous matchup. It could be Siakam as a primary creator. It could be Van Vliet. It could be Scotty Barnes. Uh, OG Ananobi got his opportunities as a creator earlier in the season. Um, they're, they're experimenting and also winning games at the same time. It, it's kind of cool. And then last night, as you said, <laughs> Siakam with 25, OG with 21, Barnes with 21, Van Vliet with 21. Trent with 16, Boucher with 16. Um, they, they, can, they can beat you even like that, too. Well, and I need to mention, because he finally cooled off last night with the 5 for 13, 16 points for Gary Trent Jr., but my God, what a run he He's was on. Sheer. I mean, at, at starting January 25th, he's 32, 32, 33, 31, 33. I mean, that is just a five-game stretch that is just freaky. You know, and all the percentages, it's like 11 for 21, 11 for 22, 13 for 28, 10 for 22, 11 for 20. And then he's knocking down four and five threes. He had a nice nine. Nine, nine threes against Atlanta. And they're, yeah. Earlier this week, he had nine threes. And that speaks to it, though. I think with Toronto, Nick Nurse, he, he, sometimes, sometimes when you watch basketball, I don't feel like guy role players, stars always get fed the ball. But I don't feel like role players always get fed touches. With the, the, the Toronto Raptors, I feel like they ride their guys who have the matchup advantage or a scheme advantage or just are flat out hot. Like they always feed the ball to the player in those situations. And I think the recent stretch right there, we're talking about with Gary Trent Jr. speaks to that, I think. But they're also experimenting, too. Like I said, OG Ananobi was getting a lot more on-ball touches uh, than they, earlier in the season than he is right now. He's still playing a significant role, to be clear. But they're going with different guys at different stages of the season. And I don't know, it just makes them fun to watch. It's like different different versions of the same same team throughout this season for the Raptors, but I'm I'm liking watching them. I liked them before the season, Chris. Um, 
Then they have their slow start, but they're looking way, way better since late December. That's really when they started to get healthy for the first time this season. And you mentioned earlier that it might be hard for Atlanta to get a locked-in playing spot. But like they're only four behind Brooklyn right now. Toronto's only a game and a half behind Brooklyn right now. The Nets have lost six games in a row. Katie's not going to be back for a while now. Kyrie's a part-time player. Harden, he's been in and out of the lineup. I, I think it's possible that we see Brooklyn sl- slide into the play-in and one of these teams that are so close together, whether it's Toronto, Charlotte, Boston, or Atlanta, that one of them could slide into a top six spot. Oh, I, my I, God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Brooklyn's playing in the play-in? Well, I mean, being being in the being a in a way team is better for Brooklyn though, because then you get Kyrie. For, <laughs> for, I'm sorry, it's just the, it's just the truth. It's oh, you the think truth. they should? You think they should angle? You think they should angle to yes, not be a home court they, advantage they team? Should. They should not. They should not go for home court. No, they should. That's the, the, the next. We want to play on the road the entire the entire playoffs. Exactly. The Nets should, no, no, I am 100% fearless. First team to ever angle to be the lowest possible seed they can be. Yes, the, the, the Nets, the Nets should angle for the five or six seed, of course. You don't, you don't want the seven, eight, and you don't want the nine or 10, but you'd rather, <laughs> you'd rather be the seven <laughs> than the four. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. You, because you don't know if the New York City mayor, Eric Adams, is going to change that law. Vaccine mandates for state workers or to go into arenas. If that changes, like it is in Connecticut, a surrounding state, by April, May, or June, then yes, fight for the number one seed if you're in Brooklyn Nets. But there's a chance that doesn't change. And Kyrie's a part time player for April, May, and June. And we're talking about this then. There's a chance. Like that could be a thing. So you want him for four games instead of three games. It would be so funny if they mini tanked <laughs> at the end of the season. Oh, they're well, they're doing they're it right si- now. <laughs> I know, but no, but they're not trying to though. But if they were like sitting at four, and then they just like sit their guys for the last two weeks, so that they so that they don't have to play at home. <laughs> but not but not to mention <laughs> when they play at home, everybody's an MVP for the other team anyway. Oh God! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not oh, like they man. have like it's not like they have the home court advantage like uh you know you're playing in some of these other arenas uh necessarily but you, good. you know it's 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 too bad for the Nets though because you know this three game they've had three games on the road of a five game road uh road streak here and Kyrie Irving it's nice to have him but like the team just has not been good like you you would have thought this would be for being part of Kyrie every night. Um, but they're still dropping games, man. I don't know. That Joe Harris news earlier in the week is scary too with the potential setback. Um, I don't know, man. This, this Brooklyn team, they're they're on thin ice. And we very well, I mean, there's a real possibility we look back at it and it's just uh, what might have been story. Because we just never see it the way it was supposed to be. Like, especially with all that hardened crap and who knows what happens in the offseason. And you got the whole Kyrie thing. And KD is out. And he's hurt. And you've got this Joe Harris second ankle surgery. I mean, so not going to see him. Like, and, and, you know, as of last week, you had Marcus Aldridge walking around in a boot. 
uh, Blake Griffin turned into a pumpkin. I mean, it just may never be <laughs> what it was supposed to be. <laughs> she said, I mean, like he actually did turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> he said that so seriously. Yeah. He did yeah. turn into a pumpkin. That's what he's turned into. <laughs> actually turned into one. First time it's ever happened. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I can't remember, so maybe I'm just being, it's possible I'm being prisoner of the moment. Have you ever seen someone skipping up the court ready to go hit a game winner. I mean, the level of confidence exuded from Reggie Jackson's literally skipping up the court against the Lakers last night, and then this crazy-ass spin move, and then he makes it uh, to do him in. I uh, <laughs> I got to tip my cap to him because Reggie Jackson – Looked like a guy like that was the most excited you could possibly be to go get the opportunity <laughs> to go down the yeah, Lakers, yeah. and then he hits the shot to beat him. And I'm like, this is wild, man. The the, the skipping was hilarious. Hilarious like, as he crosses half court. He's like, I'm I'm, I'm going to hit the game winner. He knew it. He knew it. I'm gonna he do couldn't. It. He couldn't I'm hold his excitement yeah. for what was about to happen. <laughs> yeah. he, he, saw, he saw no timeouts. He's like, Tyler, you're not drawing up a play here. No. Nope. I got this. I got this. I think at one point he was calling for a screen. Like as he's skipping, you can see him calling for Terrence Mann to set a to set a little rub screen, and that's when he got the ISO on Austin Reeves and the the Westbrook help wasn't enough. Um, I don't know, man. That that whole thing. It's like he has Russ on him from behind, Reeves kind of in front of him, won't get help. But AD nowhere around on the spin move by Reggie Jackson. I'm not blaming AD here, but also like Sergey Baca was a no man's land. And I think that help would have went a long way in preventing that crazy spin move by Reggie Jackson. That was fun. That was a cool moment. It is worth noting that since his return, Davis has been unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Like, that's not a like, knock against him. He's been great. No, he, he is. But, I mean, look at the numbers, Kev. Just if if they get this Anthony Davis, I mean, it's, you know, he came back and, and 
only played 24 minutes in that first night and only took eight shots. And then what has followed is 31 at Philly, 27 at, at Atlanta, 30 against Portland, 30 last night against the Clippers to go along with 17 rebounds. You know, we're, we're going to still do the wait and see on LeBron and see what he comes back. But, uh, you know, AD kind of got knocked around a little bit for his play early in the season since he has returned. You know, he was out from December 17th all the way until January 25th, that game at Brooklyn where he didn't he didn't play all that much and only took eight shots. It was just kind of feeling his way uh, into the mix. But since that, these last four games, he has been outstanding for them and looks like the Anthony Davis that is one of the top five, ten players in the world. Yeah, and I think that's why with this Lakers team, I'm not burying them yet despite some of the issues. If, if AD can be his peak self, if LeBron James is able to be LeBron James, as we saw this season with him kind of carrying the team to stay afloat at the five, and if Russ can make some little tweaks in his game, just little tweaks, not asking for a lot. I think it's, a, it's reasonable to ask for some little tweaks when you're playing next to LeBron and AD. Um, if all of those things can happen by the people, they could win some series to make a run. Right? When you have those guys, and we'll see. Long way to go. Long way to go, though. Long way to go. Um, and they lost to the freaking Clippers. Yeah, so. exactly. They lost, too. <laughs> exactly. And with, with the Clippers, I mean, like, they're in kind of just feel-good mode in the sense that Kawhi might not come back. Ty Lue hinted that he might not come back. Paul George might end up going, undergoing a surgery. This, this year for the Clippers is about figuring out who are your keepers, how are you going to reshuffle the deck around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but there's no... There's no pressure or disappointment about the fact that your team is 500. Like there is pressure and disappointment, the fact that the Lakers are under 500 right now. Um, Like it's just totally different circumstances. For the Clippers, you're just in feel-good mode. Well, and I'm going to tell you that, you know, we had the great story of Milwaukee winning it last year, that this whole, you know, banding together or forcing your way into different situations it, uh, the snapshot right now, this is all going very poorly, and it's a, you know, it, it's becoming a cautionary tale. And we look at three different situations that we just talked about in a row that are all hurtling towards the what might have been. We may never see what it was meant to be. Now we saw the LeBron AD thing in the bubble, and they won that title. Um, but last year didn't play out like they wanted to. This year, it certainly doesn't look like nobody would consider them a, 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 a title favorite or even anything close to what we thought they had the opportunity to do coming in. Brooklyn, same way. Clippers, same way. You know, the story of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is probably the worst, you know, gack in, of, of a team in playoff history, you know, uh, where we didn't get to see the Clippers versus the Lakers in the Western Finals that year in the bubble. Um, and it's not right now. And who knows? You know, George gets that surgery. Who knows when Kawhi comes back? You know, there were reports a couple of, uh, you know, less than a month ago where it was promising about Kawhi Leonard. And now it's not yeah. promising about Kawhi Leonard. And so you have uh, George, and, George and Kawhi band together. You have LeBron and AD band together. You have those guys at Brooklyn band together. And... 
it just hasn't gone well. You know, those teams have not been what they thought we thought they were going to be. And it looks like, at least for the meantime, a cautionary tale. It'd be different if it's just one of them, but all three of them, you know, yeah. um, that we that we thought could be devastating, um, just aren't. They're not even close to devastating. And we just may never even see what it what we thought it was gonna look like when it when they all got together in all those situations. You still have a chance with the Lakers. I guess you still have a chance with the Clippers, but I mean it'll be next year. And by that point, you're you're paying those two guys a hundred billion dollars just for two of them. And all, I know that. all of those teams, all of those teams, they still got a shot. Warriors last night, that was old school Clay Thompson. Felt like the first time, you know, he's 23 points in 23 minutes, eight of eleven from the field, seven of nine from three, seven assists, five rebounds. I mean, it was nice to see. And we've been hopeful that he can reclaim, you know. What he was, it's certainly going to take some time. Uh, but last night was a big step forward where it's like, okay, this is the devastating guy that flies around and every time he shoots it, you're like, oh, shit. You know, <laughs> like that's how it felt last night. And you got him and Steph uh, going off in conjunction. It was one of Steph's lower nights, but they didn't, you know, points-wise, but they didn't need it. And boy, Kaminga, Kev. Yeah, I was about to say we can't we can't forget Jonathan Kaminga. He is he has been so good, so good. And I watched them play in that game. It was him and Moody and Jordan Poole was playing the star role. That game on the road against the Spurs earlier in the week, and they sat literally everybody. It was like Poole and Damian Lee and Chris Chioza and Kaminga, and Moody, and that whole group that came back, had a 23-5 to run late in that game, and then ended up beating San Antonio. Not the greatest of officiating against the Spurs, I will admit that, but still, I wonder if that hurt DeJounte Murray's case, honestly. That was embarrassing. Like, yo, they, they couldn't get a bucket to save their life. And you got Curry and the crew, like, flying up and down the sidelines, waving towels and stuff. Um, you know, I guess it spoke to the kind of culture they have there. Everybody cheering on everybody. And even their bench guys were able to pull off something rather incredible earlier in the week. And it feels like they are getting Kaminga, Booty, who's been very good in the G League recently, and some other guys, some real clock that, could pay real dividends, you know, even in the playoffs where you got to put a guy into the mix and and he can really help you. And, and I, think, I think each of them in their own respective ways are learning how to play this warrior style. It's very unique playing with Seth Curry and Clay Thompson. It's like last night I'm thinking about end of the third quarter, Kaminga sets a screen for Clay Thompson, like at the top of the three point arc, uh, for Clay to take a three, like right, right straight ahead. Buddy Heald's trailing him. Damian Jones steps up to prevent Clay from taking the three pointer. And Kaminga just perfectly times his roll to the rim. Clay leaves it down, and Kaminga athletically lays the ball up inside. And it's like this guy might not be the traditional size of a center, but they use him like a center, and he excels in these situations and he's learning the rhythm with clay and Steph, and it's just cool to see these young guys 
get opportunities and you're seeing the potential. You're seeing why when Kaminga isos, um, when he rolls off of a screen that he sets, whatever it is within the flow of their offense, um, it's looking good, man. Like it's very impressive for, for his age right now to be doing what he's doing. 19 years old, Chris. He doesn't turn 20 until October. 20 and until October. He's so young. And you know what's crazy? You know who he reminds me of, like frame-wise, when you see him out there? Yourself, me, both of us. Can we please get serious? <laughs> no. His teammate. <laughs> he reminds me of a young Iguodala. <laughs> I'm being serious. They have the okay, same yeah, yeah. kind of frame where like, it's like this full grown ass man, yeah, six, six, two fifteen, two twenty. You know, they really do have the yeah. same kind of frame <laughs> and Iguodala mega athlete. I mean, Iguodala is an old man now, but Kaminga really does. Like when I see him out there, it's like, oh damn, did they just find a, a, a young version of Iguodala? Like he's not, obviously he doesn't have the veteran savvy that Iguodala does, but that young version, that old Philly Iguodala, um, I just, I see that when I watch him. I do. Um, and it's fascinating that they're both on the same team now and he could hopefully learn from Iguodala. But Kaminga's kind of got that almost identical frame that I feel like he's going to grow into and he's going to be like a Hulk like Iguodala became. Yeah. yeah I mean, he could. I mean, look, they're already... They're already utilizing him like, like a center right now. And, and for him to grow into that Iguodala type of role, more perimeter playmaking and all that, um, he's also a good start. He's also a good start. I, I'm impressed early on. But like the role they use him in is right. It's appropriate for the time being. Um, but over the course of time, we'll see. Only 19 years old, Chris. No, and it's the best kind of thing. It's the best kind of thing like last night where you can, you can develop young players and win games and serve two masters. Right. Perfect. Yeah, um, exactly. And they've done that this past week but with Moses Moody playing 25 plus minutes a night. I love Moody. Yeah, Moody's cool. I, like I Moody do. Too. I loved him at Arkansas. Um, he can shoot uh, it, man. Still loved, him, too. loved him coming out of the draft. That wingspan is just freakish. Truly. Truly freakish. Very Mikel Bridges-y. You know, when you That's see what they're him. they're hoping for. That's yeah. what they're hoping for. We'll yeah. see. Well, he's been killing it in the G League recently. Moody has. So he's getting uh he's getting some clock too. Uh and he looks bigger to me than he did at Arkansas already. He looks like he's filled out uh a little already. Moody does. Um couple couple of notes. Last night, Shaq would not reveal what was said. I guess he had talked about this on his podcast, and then they asked him about it on TNT last night. He said, you know, we we talked about a week ago how he he just he just trashed Simmons. And did you did you hear him say last night he got a DM? Yeah, he, I watched the podcast clip earlier in the day where he mentioned getting it. Yeah, he, yeah, he said he, yeah, he, he said he said Ben Simmons was pissed off about his criticism of him saying that he's soft and all that and and but but Shaq in the podcast kind of doubled down. Shaq didn't say, Oh, I learned something new, I have an understanding now. He kind of just doubled down. Yeah, it just kind of sounded like I'm gonna leave this guy alone. I said what I said, and I believe what I said, 
And that's the end of that. Like they asked him, did you give him his fo- your phone number? And he's like, for what? We ain't got nothing to talk about. Maybe, I, I mean, obviously, look, we know very little about Ben Simmons as a, as a person. Um, you know, I, I don't have a great gauge of his personality. I was surprised, though, that he DM'd Shaq pissed off. He feels like the kind of guy that would just, you know, just ignore it or not care or whatever. But, you know, to go out of your way to DM him and express, you know, that you were legit mad about this criticism. I don't know. I just, that's not what I would have expected would happen. Um, it does show that he does care, you know. <laughs> it shows that he cares because I'm sure his phone blew up with uh, with his buddies telling him that Shaq is just, you know, defecating on his head on national television. Didn't even call him by name. And I, it was weird that he kind of used the LSU brother thing I was gonna say that. That yeah, was Simmons, so bizarre. Like I don't even half, think of half, I don't even think of Ben Simmons as an LSU player. Oh, please. It's ridiculous. It's such a joke. Because there's like a whole documentary about how you didn't want to be there. Come <laughs> 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 on. He didn't even play out the whole season. They the, the team stunk like my LSU brother? Like, <laughs> Oh my god, it's so funny seeing that. And then Shaq, Shaq spent three years there. But anyway, anyway that, that, like that would matter at all in terms of like, oh yeah, you know what? I forgot he was my LSU brother. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I supposed to have loyalty towards him because he went to LSU? Please. Well, like we're all, like we're like we're both gonna show up on alumni day. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I, know, I know Ben Simmons is a show. No, he will never step foot in Baton Rouge again. Ever. I don't know how he got there in the first place. Just bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised that he DM'd him. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is surprising. It, it's surprising. And, and I think I find it interesting that Shaq kind of doubled. I find that part interesting that Shaq. Because Shaq has changed his mind before. In this case, he's like, nah, I feel the way I feel. I can't wait to see how that resolves. We're, we're less than a week to go until the trade deadline there, Chris. Less than a yeah. week. We're almost there. Do you think we're going to get anything massive? Are we going to get a Simmons trade? Would you bet on a Simmons trade? Yes. How about Sabonis? I'm less... Uh, just because that guy talked about not wanting to suck even though this team does suck. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that they would not get the return for Sabonis that they would want. Is that fair? Yeah. You know, I think that they, their goals, a lot of times if you're moving off a player like that, you want like a, you're building for the future. Right? And I don't know if they would get the return that they think would serve them well to not, you know, take a massive step backwards, you know, because uh, sometimes that's what you got to be willing to do. You got to just say, okay, I'm going to reset. And so I want to get a bunch of assets for, you know, the future that I could build with some expirings and, uh, you know, some things that give me some opportunity to get, to build out a team, build out a roster. And, 
it felt like everybody there from the owner to the head coach and nobody wants to do like a restart or a rebuild. That's what makes it hard. You know, when everybody's not on that page, then it's like, okay, does this serve us well to move him? I hope he gets moved somewhere. I I just, I, I do think Simmons will. Because I think you got to win. I got to, you got a chance at winning the title. You got a chance at winning the title right now. It's pretty clear he ain't playing for that team. So that's off the table. He's already sacrificed a bunch of money. He ain't playing for them. Yeah, he probably won't. Um, we'll say that, that where there was the report that Ben Simmons uh, and Clutch Sports will meet with the Sixers if he's still on the team after the trade deadline. So we'll see. Yeah, to try to get some of that money back. <laughs> <laughs> 19 that, million that, bucks. That, that money's gone, man. It's 19, it's 19 million it's bucks. He's gonna try it's to take gone. that thing. To, he's gonna try to take it to arbitration, guaranteed. That's what they're gonna try to do. I don't know if he'll win it. I don't know if he'll win it. And that stuff takes a long time. It's gonna be hung up a long time. You know. Either way, he sacrificed a lot. Last thing before we get out of here, I did think the NBA. While we did trash them for the NBA All Star jerseys. Really nice touch with the Kobe trophy. Really nice. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah Sensational. Yeah. Outstanding. Um, and I think, uh, what a cool trophy to win. Guys are going to want to win that. You know what I mean? Especially this inaugural one. I think it can make for even a better all-star game with guys really wanting to show out because that is a, uh, it's fantastic, truly. And it's a good, uh, a good homage to, uh, one of the great players of the past. And so I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's, and I thought it's that, a cool looking trophy change. too. I like the way the trophy looks. I'd keep it forever. I'm a hoarder. I'd keep it forever. Yeah, that's a beautiful trophy though. Yeah, I love it. It is. It's, it's almost like, it's like the classiest of the trophies. Absolutely. Hey, look, <laughs> hey, you screwed up, you, you screwed up the jerseys, but you got the trophy, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good on it's that. Tr- 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 yeah, the jerseys get passed out in your church league. Um, <laughs> the, 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 this, this trophy here. Yep. My goodness. Be Good careful job by that. you. All right. Uh, thanks to our executive host, Jesse Lopez. As always, Kevin, I will talk to you next Tuesday. I'm looking forward to a deadline week, baby.